I was just saying to our guest for this hour in studio with me, Bongani Luv- uh, Luvalo, uh, I'm saying to him, I'm like, Luther's gone, guys. Luther's <laughs> gone. He's no longer with us. Uh, I love, I love that song by him, but uh, it's so relevant to the conversation we're going to be having within uh, this hour of the show. Bongani is the CEO of the Cool Dads Foundation. Of course, we're also celebrating Father's Day, marking Father's Day this coming uh, Sunday. Bongani, good morning to you. Thank you so much for coming into studio. Thank you very much, Askethi, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you for this opportunity. Somebody, uh, Our other two guests that are going to be part of this conversation, Pastor Laki Magagula, who is a, uh, uh, a single father. Pastor Magagula, good morning to you. Good morning, Ms. Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And we also have Michael Dingan Kamguni joining us for this conversation. Michael, good morning. Morning, Kathy, and thank you for the privilege to join. And morning to all the panelists. In my hand, I'm, I'm, I've got a, a copy of Bongani's book, and it's titled "A Father, Comma a Stranger." Question mark. And I think. In many ways, that details the relationship, the different types of relationships um, that people have with or don't have mm-hmm. with their fathers. Mm-hmm. Mzanzi's Memoirs of Fatherhood. What inspired this book, Bongani? What kind of space were you in that got you to put it together? Um, Oscar, I think first it's the privilege we've had of having to work with young black fathers. Mm. Um, and for the longest of time, I also wanted to tell my story. And whilst thinking of writing my own book, I learned that I'm more of a speaker than a writer. <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, I've been umshumayeli for the longest of time yeah. in church. So I thought, why focus on writing my own book while we can combine stories of you know different journeys of these fathers who are part of you know the cultest foundation because since we found the foundation i think different stories and different guys came to tell different stories wanting Mm -hmm. access to their kids others sharing the good time they're having with their kids we've been teaching each other how to be better dads how to spend time together we've been doing picnics we've been doing camps and i think from those sessions you then learn Mm -hmm. stories you know when we do have workshops we've got seminars then i thought a book that has got different stories that tell different walking paths, you know, in experiencing your own father, whether absent or present, and how that has evolved or uh, shaped you to become a father that you are today. So I thought it would be much more beautiful and actually, um, you know, it will intrigue uh, conversations in our society. Mm. We know the element of, you know, absent fathers, deadbeat dads, ATM fathers, question of GBV. So we thought this collection of these stories would be more, you know, um, uh, positively contributing to societal dialogue than me writing one book that will mm-hmm. be only telling a story of Bongani Loval and his absent father. Mm-hmm. So that's what inspired the book, you know, uh, just the journey of the foundation and the fathers who are, you know, members of the foundation. Bongani, when we continue the conversation, I'll get you to share your story with us, including that of um, our guests, Pastor Lucky and Michael. And we'll be extending the same invite to our listeners this morning because I think it's so important and it's part of what you have tried to do in this book. And and I'm assuming that, you know, there is so much power in telling our stories and owning our stories because there's so much that is learned from those experiences. And I'm assuming that's, well, one of the reasons why uh, you decided to go about the book in that way. 
Definitely. Um, I think more importantly, it was affording black men an opportunity to dive deep into their emotional space, mm. uh, be vulnerable unto themselves. I had an opportunity to, you know, go to a space where I've not had conversations with myself, you know, things that I would brush, you know, off. Brush off yeah. And some of the guys as well, I think when we're doing the book review, some of the guys were sharing as well that most of us literally had to go into an emotional path, things that we thought were went past or things that we didn't want to be confronted with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it then opens a window even for other fathers and other black men to actually go through this emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Bongani, then let's go into your story. What is your story um, with your dad? Um, <laughs> he, he's been absent. Uh, I think the first time I met my dad physically, I should be 2021. Mm. Uh, my first encounter with my dad was over a telephone call. Uh, I think I should have been doing grade five or grade six. Um, I was asking him to provide or buy me a school jersey and a blazer. We were approaching winter and my mother had just lost her employment and she had been really trying to put things together. Um, and I said, but why can't we call, you know, this man and ask him? You're not asking did, did, did you Did you know about him? I knew up about until him. Uh, up until that point, I knew about him. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a close relationship with his sister, my aunt, um, mm-hmm. because of she's in the same community. The brother is from KZN. He's mm-hmm. late. We buried him now in March. Um, so I knew of him. I knew of his family, and I was close with. I'm still close with his nephews and nieces. You know, so I still have a relation. I was with my aunt the past Saturday. Mm-hmm. Went to see my mother. Then from there, I went to see. Her. So I've been having this relationship with my aunt. Um, and time to time, we would talk and. Because of it's coming from a cultural background, she says, one, I can't overstep my mark. Time to time, I'll have a conversation to say, hey, daughter, you know, um, but he would not want to participate um, for one reason or the other. Um, so the first time I had a phone conversation with him was around grade five, grade six, asking him to buy me a school jersey and a blazer if possible. Um, this person was a teacher. He was running a business on the side. He was capable of buying a jersey and a blazer. And my mother was still trying to, you know, sustain because I was going to a private school in Pinoni. So I was just saying, you don't have to bear this thing alone. There's mm. a man somewhere. I know the story that he's employed. He's a teacher. He's got his own life. So why can't he contribute a mere, you know, 200 or 500 rands towards that? The guys literally turned me down. He was like, I don't have money now. If there's anything that changes, I'll give you a call. That was the first conversation you had first with him. First conversation with him. It sounds like it something. didn't even last longer than five minutes. It didn't. Uh, you know, I think in the book I say, you know, you remember the old um, containers for telephone yes, uh, public yes, phone. So yes. I went there with the my mother gave me yes, yes. gave me two rents. I went there and you'll join a queue waiting, you know, to have this phone call. Yes. And I went in and I thought probably he'll ask about life. How are you doing? How are people at home? No. Mm. Um, it was like, hi, how are you? I'm fine. I was like, hey, this is because it was quite an awkward moment because yeah. I didn't know do I say Baba, do I say Dad, do I call him by his name, do I call him by his surname? So it became an awkward 10, 15 seconds kind of a moment. Um, and then I was like, This is Bongane, your son, I'm Johannesburg, I'm calling to request if you possibly can buy me a jersey. My mother is in a bad space financially, would really appreciate your help. Unfortunately, where I am right now, I can assist. Things are quite bad. He said it in Zulu, I can assist you. And that was the end of the call. Sure. I had changed. I took some sweets. I walked out in shame. That was the first disappointment I had from my oh, father. It's a huge disappointment because when 
children grow up without their dads and and I can speak about this from maybe somebody who grew up raised by a single mom you mm-hmm. always have this idea about what the first encounter with your father will be like mm-hmm. and it's often based on what you see on TV <laughs> in the movies <laughs> where it's a big welcome home my yes. child like oh oh my child so the fact that this man responds in the way that he did and doesn't even acknowledge you as his child and brushes you off that must have been quite hurtful seriously so i cried um i mm. had to walk myself out no public phones guys public phones are traumatic on their own because people are listening to tabata how you the back and you know so hanging up i had because yeah, i think at that time sure. i had a serious lump on my throat you mm. know but i was like you need to walk out you know with dignity hang up take change and then walk out i think as soon as i left um mm. at the back of the container I shed it here. Oh. You know, um uh, then I had to walk back home and it's quite a, not even about 200 meters from where the public phones are to home. So I walked, you know, and mm-hmm. I had a moment of having to think about this. And for me it will always be engraved in my mind uh, and I always see people that is the first direct disappointment that my dad gave me because of I had reached out he had never reached out I reached out and as you are saying we always waiting for that moment where mm. a person will tell you a reason why mm. they have not been there and it's still okay you have forgiven them even before mm. they've asked for that forgiveness because of you're longing for this relationship mm. you know so for me it was it, it cut quite deep but i had to contain myself walk back home and tell my mother no unfortunately the phone call didn't go well luckily my aunt actually bought me that jersey cuz later on i went to her and i said um it look i'm <laughs> trying to get a jersey and so on and she bought mm. the jersey you know um so it, it was quite bad and the second encounter with him it was uh, when my aunt lost his son and we were organizing the funeral and when i arrived there you know us blacks get to align the evening after the body has arrived and somebody has slaughtered an animal so when i arrived one of my uncles was like hey woman do you know who this person is and it just rang a bell when somebody said do you know who this is I'm like i don't but mm-hmm. the big of my mind i'm like possibly it's my father but he looks black i'm mm-hmm. light in complexion <laughs> you know um, and he said hi how are you hey nundo tendala sukhulile ndoda you know um, it was also an awkward moment as well you know um and i was like no sukhulile you've grown up you're this man and in my mind i'm thinking do i insult him do i ask him a question where have you been what do i say mm-hmm. and i was like you know what? let me go in gobono anti party i'll come back you know and i went so in. so you were just left speechless in that moment i didn't know what to do I was yeah. I was I was shocked what do I say do I say nice to meet you do I say Welcome Remember when dad. I called you Remember said you I, would let yeah. me know I'm still kind of waiting Yes later you know so it was just an awkward moment so I went and came back um he tried to have a conversation but it one of the things I always say to people is that we never caught the fire cuz later on his mother passed on I went to bury his mother my grandmother I still hoped for a relationship sure. but umlilo bongabam it just couldn't catch the spark you know mm. um and I've never asked him why he was not present in my life uh I was hoping that he would tell me so bongani if if I understand you correctly then through the series of your life and his together um despite all of these instances where you would have been in each other's company you have had how many conversations with, with your father post post the 
my grandmother's funeral, we, we, we exchanged numbers. We tried to speak on the phone. Conversations could not, as I'm saying, it couldn't get mm. spark. His brother passed on. Um, and I think also at his mother's funeral, I got disappointed again. Mm. I flew, I had a fight with my mother. Not even a fight, with a disagreement with my mother. Because I was like, I want to go and bury this woman. Mm. I don't know her, but my spirit says I must go and bury and I think after some days, my stepfather had a conversation with her. And then she called me. I went back to the house because um, we don't stay together. I stay in my own place. And I had a conversation with her. She was like, look, I spoke to your father here in the house. He says, I'm a sexually allow you. And I think I understand where you're coming from. You can go and bury your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I went there. So that was the second disappointment, uh, third disappointment, actually, because I then said to him, please fetch me from the airport. I booked a flight on a Friday and I was mm-hmm. going to come back on a Saturday. I asked him to fetch me at the airport. He didn't fetch me. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I asked him to take me back to the airport. He said he couldn't. His friends are there. They need to be taken care of. They must get mm-hmm. food. They must get alcohol. My cousin took me back to the airport. Ooh. That was another disappointment. Rejection upon um, rejection upon rejection. Yeah. Uh, so it. So I think time and again, each and every time he had an opportunity to man up, it was another disappointment until I had to close off and be like, I don't think there's anything I need from this man. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need to be taking myself through this horrendous process because of it comes back to my emotions. It comes back to my heart. Um, I come back disappointed. You oh, know? Bongani, I mean, your, your, your story is just breaking my heart um, because, again, it, it's a case of the longing for a relationship and constantly being shown over and over mm-hmm. again that this does not matter as much to me as it mm-hmm. does to you and you not necessarily having answers for why that is the case. I'm going to hear um, more about Lucky's story and Michael's story after the latest 10.30 news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on fatherhood. We've been speaking to Bongani Luvalo. He's the CEO of the Cool Dads Foundation and also about his book, A Father, A Stranger, Memoirs on Fatherhood in South Africa, Mzanzi's Memoirs of Fatherhood, that is. And he's been sharing, uh, you know, his personal account of his relationship with his father. And it really is um, one of heartbreak. And I think, you know, rejection um, based on what Bongani has told us. Uh, Pastor Lucky, let me come to you um, because, you know, the point of this book was to have as many people as possible sharing their stories about their relationships with their dads and how they've been affected and impacted by those relationships. Hello, Pastor Magagula. All right, it looks like I've lost him there. We'll try and get him back up on the line. Uh, Michael, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. Okay, um, great. Yeah, the, the line has not been very good, but we, we survived. Okay, <laughs> uh, apologies for that. So so let me give you a chance then for you to share your stories of um, fatherhood with us. Yes. Um, now, I, I need to get a context. My father or my fatherhood to my children. No, I, I think let's begin with your father, the relationship with your father. Oh, uh, Look, um, I come from a background where necessarily I, I didn't grow up with my biological father, uh, but had the, the presence of a father figure through, through my grandfather. And, and therefore, 
had the possibility to to be raised in 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 an environment that enabled me to have a role model but needless to say a my 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 father's role uh, would 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 obviously be one that I would have appreciated but the situation and conditions then uh, didn't make it possible um and then moving to my my parenthood to my own children i'm raising three boys i'm blessed with three boys um i'm 100% committed and very much um available for as much of their needs as is possible and uh th- that that is has allowed me space to actually uh close gaps that i think children want closed mm. by their parents so um it's a great pleasure and, and a real real gift to be a father i think it's a gift and and, and tell me M- michael did you know about your father at all did you know him at all my my my, my encounters my father was very minimal uh, and, and and truly because um it's this thing that parents would come together guided by God that these offspring shall come through you but they never got married and because of those dynamics um obviously didn't get this this experience of of knowing in the true sense of knowing of saying my father walked me to school or my father did this or that no no i don't have that kind of an experience but um you know i have a complete relationship with all my 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 my, my relatives obabungwan babukolo and kanjan it's a very harmonious relationship and i'm very thankful for it uh, because in the end i always say no matter what the dynamics are the the, the creator knows better some of these conditions that you may you may think you would have liked to control over may not necessarily be Mm. Uh, of your own command to dictate how they should play out you know uh, i mean and i'll make a practical example of someone who is just both their parents and they feel that they are actually missing that parenthood you know uh, that kind of thing so it's not always given that because someone is a provider of the seed mm. that therefore that provider of the seed will take care of the seed you know they may not even care for the soil where the seed grows but it does not take away the fact that they are the ones who have been given the the eternal duty to land the seed on this earth mm, mm. and 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 my attitude about it is the sooner you harmonize with that the more peace you have with yourself otherwise you sit with endless wounds and i'm not making light of the pains that it takes i cannot tell you how how painful it's been for myself to to long just to have that kind of a space uh, so i don't make light of the situation that someone may be going through that and 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 because you you never had the relationship with your father but you did have your grandfather that was this male figure in your life how did you find that that absence of relationship influenced your views in terms of the kind of father that you wanted to be how did i find how did you find that it influenced 
you know, the kind of relationship with your children and influence the kind of father that you wanted to be? Uh, I, I think I think it was the most profound lesson. Uh, my, my grandfather is my, my hero. Mm. Um, I, I learned from him the, 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 the gracefulness of, of loving children. Uh, it's not that person would even lay a hand on you, but would discipline you without uh, using any <laughs> physical equipment, just making sure that mentally you are aligned. And, and, and that has influenced me in, in, in such great ways. In fact, he had a great relationship with my own children. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's how beautiful it was. And I find that it is possible to, to then mold yourself into a relevant father. And there are good examples out there because sometimes the examples are not just about what you see in others as to do, but also what not to do as you see in others do. You say, ah, maybe I don't want to be like that kind of a father. Maybe I don't want to be that kind of a father. And needless to say, one is not a perfect father, but you try as much as is possible to be the kind of father who's present, who's available emotionally, physically, spiritually, and providing all the resources that children need, you know, mm. taking care, making sure that they go to school, the things they need at school, you know, all those things. All right. Uh, I think I think that model, because my grandfather, we, did, we didn't come from a very super uh, well-off family, it's your typical township family, uh, but we never felt that we were a poor family because even under those conditions, at least there was bread every day. Bongani, I want to come back to you in studio and... Um, talk a little bit about the questions that, in particular, young boys begin to ask themselves in their teen years about their existence, about who they are, and how that is intrinsically linked to their fathers. How do you say, for, for me, I think being surrounded by mothers, my grandmother, and mm. Most of the time, I only yearned for the moments. I don't think it was ever a self-defining mm. space where I'm wondering, who am I, you know? Mm. Um, I would hear people talk about, I want my surname, you know, I must be linked to this. Look, I do respect culture um, and, you know, um, practice culture to a certain extent. But it has never been a question of, in the absence of him, then who am I, you know? Mm. But it was more of him physically being there and emotionally being there and giving me the lessons that fathers are supposed to give their children. Because of when you arrive at school, kids always tell stories of what they were doing with their parents, you know? This is what I did with my father uh, over the weekend. My father was teaching me how to ride a bicycle. My father, you know, um, punished me because of I wet the bed. Uh, my father said we were going to the mall. My father said we were going to go and watch soccer. So for me, I had wanted those kind of encounters mm. you know where if i fought with other boys in the streets it would be somebody who says no you must go and fight for your honor or who'd say Unga banagi, you know uh, they're just bullies let's sit here let's enjoy coffee or whatever it is you know whatever lessons that would assist me to navigate life so for me i i always wondered why can't i have this mm. to a point where and i think the resilience and the fighting spirit from my grandmother and my mother has always you know, made me to be 
mentally balanced. Was whenever people were telling stories, I would tell stories as if my mother was my father. If somebody said we went shopping with my father, my mother definitely, because my mother worked and she made sure that I get the things that I love and the things that she loves, you know. So whenever I would tell a story of shopping, my mother became my father. I went shopping with my father, you know. <laughs> uh, my father bought me this shoe, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. In these holidays, my, my my father confirmed that I'm going to go to a trip to Deben. Mm. If all of us are looking for money, it's a school trip to Deben. No, my father said he's going to pay for this. Mm. So my mother became, you know, intertwined the responsibility mm. you know because of i wanted to be relevant in the space when boys and girls in high school in primary school were talking about their parents their mothers or their fathers when we speak about fathers i wanted to also have the same story you know and because of my mother was there and worked so hard i thought she's doing both roles mm. uh, i don't even need to downplay it and so on you'll become uba by this particular time so for me it was not even about identity and even today i think i remember the other day my aunt and my mother were having a conversation. So I've been saying to my father, I was like, no, he must come and visit KZN um, before he passed on. And I was like, I who do I say to my mother, I'm visiting in KZN? As much as I came to the funeral, mm -hmm. but I can't be a, a, a consistent visitor of this home as if I've got some type of a relationship. You need to come home, mm -hmm. send your family, apologize, have a conversation and say, you want to be involved in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So ultimately asked his sister to come and have a conversation with my mother, you know. My mother has... The, one thing I always would honor my mother for is that she has never spoken ill of my father. Mm. At no point in time, until death, my mother went to the funeral and said, I'm not going to bury him. I'm going to support you to bury him because you want to bury him, you know. So I remember they got excited after their conversation because they've got a relationship. You know, mothers, uh, they've got their own. So they're like, I know if Umbong Sen does good, then Umbong and Angachin just bong. And I was like, hey, guys, you must never get excited. Mm -hmm. Even if he can do right, my surname is Luvalo. Mm -hmm. Until death, I will be Luvalo. My offsprings will be Luvalo because of that's how I've identified myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I identify myself with my mother's surname. And it's not going to change. I'm not going to have future problems of Lozi or Gia Valega or Bamiyama and so on, all these things that we're talking about. So for me, I, I, I with as far as identity is concerned, it's not, it's for it was for me to have encounters with my father and experiences with my father, somebody who'd give me life lessons. Um when you're thinking of marrying Kathy, they must tell you, hey, when you marry, these are the things you must be ready for. These are the responsibilities you are assuming. Hey, if you're going to be having a child, you cannot do one, two, three. This is what you are supposed to do. So for me, that's all I had wanted from so, him. So Bongani, I just want to find out from you. Um, very briefly, because I'm going to go to the phone lines as sure. well. What was your experience when you were burying him, when he died? Yo, <laughs> I think that's the worst. Um, that's the worst. One bad thing, I had always seen how our relationship was not coming together. I have always planned for his death. This is how it's going to happen. The day I get a call or an SMS that says he's dead, I'm going to arrive in the morning of his funeral mm. with my wife, with my child or kids. We're going to stand in one corner and watch from the distance him being buried. That has been a script filed in my mind. I received the news on a Wednesday. I couldn't sleep. And I've always asked, why am I being so emotional? Why does it look like I'm so attached to this man? 
you know. Mm. Um, I actually ended up having to fly down on Friday. My mother and my mentor said, look, probably you must just go there, step into the yard, probably you might have a better understanding of his passing, then come back, then you'll go back to when the funeral happens because it was going to be the following week. So Friday in the morning, I flew down to Devon, drove down to uh, his house, stayed there for a couple of hours, had a sense of what's happening and what they're planning, then I came back. Um, but coming back, and we're now trying to finish off this book, you know. So when I went to his funeral, I arrived on a Thursday, and people were telling all of these stories. On Friday, well, I didn't stay there, I stayed at the hotel. On Friday, I couldn't wake up because I was playing back the voices of people who were telling a good story about this man. He was loving, he was present, he loved his family, he always made sure that the family is together. He was the glue. And I was like, glue? Myself? Him? Why were we not? Mm. You know? Um, and I think in that mid-morning, I penned a note um, to say, I'm going to bury a man that I've never known. Many would be crying because of the encounter and the memories that they would have experienced with him. But I would have nothing to cry for because of I have nothing to reference to. You know, um, as they pour their soil and crying that and wishing that he could be back, mine would be to say goodbye to a man that has never been a father to me but a stranger. So it was one sure. of, I think it was a confrontation, it was another confrontational moment in my life of things that I didn't, you know, see happening. And even when I went to therapy, I think it's things that I've been putting on the side. Even my mm. therapist, said, I think I was saying, sharing with you, mm. she said, why don't you go and have a conversation with him? At some point, she said, okay, let's agree that you'll write a letter. And I was like, I will write a letter only once I'm done with the book, mm. you know, only to find out that two weeks or a month, actually from that conversation, a month later, he passes on. Mm. And I have to come back to that. I'm like, I'm bearing this man. And I had an opportunity of writing a letter and I didn't. Sure. I mean, yeah, you're a good storyteller as well, <laughs> <Bongani>. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and, you. And, and I think that um, what is clear is that in every part of the journey, there is pain that accompanies mm. this story for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, for very different reasons. Let me go to Jabulani Makosonke. Good morning to you. Good morning, Casey, and your guest. Hi. Good morning. Yes, I just want to say I resonate with the the, the, the testimonies that your guest has been given with their, mm -hmm. their their relationship with their father, um, the lack of their, their relationship with their fathers. Uh, for me, Casey, um, what I've learned about my father, I didn't have a relationship with my father as well. But what I've learned with my father, I'm actually uh, grateful that we didn't have a relationship due to the fact that I believe it was not healthy for my identity to form an identity for myself, you know. Um, and and the thing is, the question we need to ask ourselves, or pet a woman who have children with certain fathers, uh, they should ask themselves is that is this person um, 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 the, the the decision for a child to have a relationship with a father? It should be an emotional decision, or it should be a head decision, you know. Because if it's an emotional one. So the challenge with that is that now when a person is not healthy, like my father was not healthy for my identity, you know, the people who are healthy for my identity are the role models that I've encountered from church and, and when my mom relocated me to live with my, my family, with, with my uh, um, family, and when then I got exposed into better role modeling. So for me, I, I just want to say that um, uh, um, your identity 
it, it has to be a healthy one, you know. So if it was, if, if your father is not is, is not the right person to do that, then so be it. If you, that's not a good idea to actually, um, um, for the sake of having a relationship with the biological father. I mean, he was a male that that contributed in in, in you existing, but this is not. It doesn't have what it takes to be a father to you. Marcus Thank you. That's my contribution. I, I, are you are you a dad today? Yes, I am a father to, uh, today, yes. A- and what kind of relationship do you have with your children, briefly? Um, no, no, no. I, I've, got, I've got a son. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Basically, with with me, Kathy, is that I was also not doing very well mm-hmm. uh, uh, at that particular time I became a father, you know. Um, obviously, whatever happened affected me, you know. And, and 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 at that particular time, it was not healthy for me to have a relationship. My relationship with my son, unfortunately, also got affected um, 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 by the fact that um, you know uh, I was not in a good space to to also be a father. Mm-hmm. But we do have a relationship with my son, and we communicate and all that. But it's not the one that it was established from the onset because I became a father at at the early age as well. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. That's basically the situation. Okay. All right, Marcus. Thank okay. Thanks for the call out in Jabulani. Mpumalang, in Mpumalanga, Meshek, good morning. Morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, Katie. That's such a wonderful topic you're discussing today. I also want to share my relationship that I did not have with my father growing up. We were actually five at home. Uh, with my mother and my father was working somewhere about um, 100 kilometers away from home. And in 1998, I was 13 years old, my mother was sick. And uh, <clears throat> actually she gave me mother money to go to where my father was working uh, to ask for money. Also, we didn't have food, we didn't have like uh, school uniform and stuff. So I went to where my father was working. I was 13 years then. When I got there, because I knew where he was working, I've been there before. When I got there, I found him. It was late uh, towards sunset. Uh, when I found my father, I told him that I'm here because my mother is sick and we're asking for money. It was at the end of the month. Uh, to my surprise, my father said, no, I don't have money. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of him giving me a space to sleep, he took me back to the road to hitchhike me back home. And uh, a party stood with a canopy. He told the people that uh, they must give me a lift to a certain place. <clears throat> when I jumped at the back of the party, there was a coffin at the back of the party. I don't know. I don't know what was in the coffin. And at the age of 15, I'm sitting next to this coffin. And I'm crying, and when the car is actually turning, I'm even scared to touch the coffin. Mm. We we got to the place, and uh, I jumped out of the car. It was already dark. I had to get another transport to take me 30 kilometers home. And there were no taxis then, there were only buses. And now I was standing in the dark there until another lady came and found me and said, Hey, why are you standing here? You, they, they will kill you here. She took me, she gave me a place to sleep. I could not even sleep in that house because I don't know the people, but through the grace of God, I was protected. I slept there. I woke up in the morning. I went home. I narrated the story to my mother, and my mother was sick. 
And and uh, and, and Mishak, did did that relationship ever change over the years? Very briefly for me. The man is still alive. He's still at home. I built him a mansion. I prayed to God that God must just make me to forgive him because if I don't forgive him, I'll be hurting myself. So mm. the relationship has changed. Even though he has not changed his colors, my mother is always complaining about him because they are now pensioners. Uh, when he's got his pension, sometimes he doesn't want to contribute. But uh, the relationship has changed. I even tell the siblings that they must not bring back what he did while we were still growing up because my brother, my young brother, sometimes he brings it up. But the good thing is that um, he taught me not to be the father that he is because mm-hmm. I'm a father now. For 20 years with my wife, we don't fight. My children, I don't want anything with my children. I'm, I'm a very good father. Mm. He taught me He taught me how not to treat your wife and children. Mm. All right. All right, Meshek. Thank you so much for, for calling in and, and for sharing um, that story with us. We're quickly running out of time. Let me take a Promise. Promise, you're calling us from Durban. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Kate, and uh, to your listeners. Hi, Promise. Um, Yes, yeah. I mean, touching experiences, but I want to propose an alternative. Mm. You know, and the alternative, you know, that says that that fatherhood is a social construct, you know, and therefore can be constructed. It's not natural. It can be changed. We can think about it uh, naturally. You know, and like coming from the gender perspective, like I worry, you know, because, you know, I mean, from time immemorial, immemorial, I mean, since, you know, humanity started up until now into the future, women are raising children, mothers are raising children mm-hmm. on their own, and they do it successfully. You know, and what I think, it, you know, is going on is that, you know, patriarch, you know, then sort of undermines women and reduces women as carers of children, and children who then belong to the fathers. You know, and then if fathers are not there, then, you know, women's efforts and what they do is kind of undermined um, in a way, you know, and it's bringing so much, you know, trauma, you know, particularly to boy children because the society says they should be fathers. You know, but that's not the case. Women raise children, they have been, you know, and they do now and they will do so in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I promise. I mean, that's that, that's a very interesting take that you've put on, on the table. And, um, you know, unfortunately, as we speak, it's literally 11 o'clock. So uh, I, I can't even give us a chance to build on it further. Mm-hmm. But perhaps when we have a conversation in future, mm-hmm. especially in a world where, where the family, the family structure is not um, what is a nuclear family. You don't have mom and dad. You ha- you can have mom and mom and dad and dad. Uh, you know, and I think that's really part of where Promise is is taking this conversation to. Um, Bongani, I'm going to give you just a quick chance to wrap up uh, your reflections then this upcoming Father's Day, uh, your message to fathers out there. Um, ours is simple. We have an opportunity to be present in our children's lives and it's the most important thing that any father could do, irrespective of circumstances. We we can't continue to hide behind circumstances. Um, we need to speak to our friends, we need to speak to our colleagues, our brothers, that they need to be present in their children's lives because of our absence 
has got a very deep psychological impact in our children's lives. And a journey of fatherhood is such a beautiful thing, guys. I don't know why would we want to run away from these little humans who can teach us so much. I learn a lot from my daughter, you know, um, and I don't think I would want to exchange that for anything in this world, you know. Um, I'd rather be unemployed and just be a full-time dad and learn so much. And I think we need to continuously encourage each other. And I think states that uh, are giving us information that we are a generation that is doing better, and I think we have that opportunity. On Father's Day, let's celebrate fathers. Let's not taint the day. Let's applaud those who are present and let's encourage those who are trying to be absent that they need to step up and let's build a healthier black community. And I think black men can do it. All right. Bongani Luvalo is the author of A Father, a Stranger, Mzansi's Memoirs of Fatherhood. Let me also uh, thank Ndate uh, Michael Dingan Kamguni, who was part of our conversation as well. Unfortunately, uh, we lost Pastor Laki Magagula. There was an issue there with the quality of connection to him. It's just after 11 o'clock. Luyanda has your latest news.